Video Junkyard Podcast. Hello there. General Kenobi, you are a bold one. Better work, Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Misa caught Binks. Kill him. Kill him now. Do it. Roger, Roger. So uncivilized. Call this a diplomatic solution? No, I call it aggressive negotiations. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is pod racing. Are you an angel? I am a senate. Wow! What do you know? Something wonderful has happened. Annie, I'm pregnant. No! Good. Twice the pride, double the fall. Here is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. He's too dangerous to be left alive. Anger leads to hate. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, and irritating. And it gets everywhere. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. <laughs> hate leads to... Your love. What about the joint attack on the Wookiees? At last we will have revenge. And not just the men, but the women and the children too. I love democracy. This is where the fun begins. Hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a- another discussion episode on the Video Junkyard podcast. With me are, are my good co-hosts, Joe Jar Jar Peterson. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're not living that one down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Eric the Bubba Fett uh, Gobranson. Oh, I like that one. That one's good. He hey, gets Ryan. Boba Fett and I get fucking... <laughs> That's why. Uh, and we have a special guest, my my childhood friend and love interest, David A New Hope Andrews. David, say hello. <laughs> hello. Oh, hello. Hey, David. And thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome You're to the welcome. show. Now, when you say childhood... Uh, childhood friend and love interest. Now, is that just in your childhood, or is he still your love interest? The love interest, Wade. He he friend zoned me. Oh. <laughs> uh, that does happen. That does. Happen. He, he found a better galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Well, yeah. In all seriousness, yeah. Welcome to the show. Sorry we didn't get a little chance to chat beforehand because of technical difficulties. But oh, not as, a as always. But yeah, welcome. Glad to have you here, and looking forward to the discussion. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you uh, can't tell from Ryan's intros, there's a very specific topic we're going to be discussing tonight. Something that I know that Eric, you and I talked a little bit about when we first decided we should do a podcast. But um, it's always kind of been like, a, well, how are we going to do this? And Ryan brought such a cool idea, so uh, we're actually going to do our Star Wars discussion, right? We're actually going to do a proper Star Wars discussion. But there's a there's a hook to it, though, right, Ryan? Yes. So this discussion, what's what's going to really you know get the metachlorians pumping? is uh, we're going to talk about the prequels. And we're not going to review the prequels like we normally review things. We're actually going to approach the question, are the prequels really as bad as everyone made them out to be? I yes, mean, they are. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. We hope you catch me also. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> 
As you can tell, we know what side Joe's going to be on. But we're really going to analyze the prequels. Like, what is kind of these redeeming qualities in them uh, beyond the the blatantly obvious issues that everyone talks about? But we think, the three of us at least, outside of Jar Jar Joe here, uh, is... Sorry, Joe. (laughs) um, I can see him from a distance just shaking his fist like a Mr. Wilson in a Dennis the Menace. Um, Sip from your brandy. Um, Mm-hmm. Scotch, you're drinking scotch, sorry. Um, no, we're, we're actually, we think that maybe there's there's more to them. Like, maybe they're not the most perfect movies, but maybe a toxic fan base uh, maybe drove them deeper down. So we're going to try to, like, discuss that. Where everybody has these different feelings on them, there are different emotions on them, and, you know, there's different ages. Like, both David and I are roughly the same age, and um, with Eric and Joe being our eight-year equivalents, with me being a year older than David and Joe being, what, a year older than Eric? couple years old. Yeah, like two years yeah. old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's about anyway, the same yeah, thing. equivalent. Not really nitpicking yeah. there, but... <laughs> but there's two generations there. So it's like, this should be exciting. Um, I don't have any Jeff Goldblum impressions. I'm not good at them. But just picture me just all, like, Grandmaster hyped up for this. So without fucking further driving more time to this already long podcast, let's get started. So... First, uh, I have to ask the obvious question of each person is, what are your personal feelings on the prequels? And I'm going to start with David because, you know, he, he's new to this. So, David, how do you feel about the prequels real quick? Oh, well, um, basically, I was nine when The Phantom Mantis came out. So it, it is the set of Star Wars movies that I grew up with. Um, and it very clearly they have their problems, but I am mostly a uh, prequel fan. I actually really like the movies, and I don't think they're as bad as many people claim they are. Um, yep, that's all right. Um, I'll move it. I'll keep it fair and balanced, and go to Joe. Joe, how do you feel? Um, I was a senior in high school when I think I was a senior, ninety nine. Yeah, so <laughs> I was a senior in high school when um, junior senior when this came when the first one came out when Phantom Menace came out, and I was super excited. I grew up watching the original trilogy over and over and over again on like recorded off of tv beta tapes um <laughs> and i just so i was super excited when these came out and i think i i loved each one when they first came out because damn it it was star wars and it was something i'd just been been wanting to see new stories of for so long um and then i actually went through a period where i just couldn't stand them i thought they were terrible uh and i actually feel at this point as we're recording, I I recognize what they are, and yeah, there are problems. I'll get into more of that later about whether they're significant or not. But I, they're not my Star Wars, I guess. Um, but I I respect them for what they are. I just I'm not. I don't go out of my way to watch them all the time. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, how about you, Eric? Um, similar to Joe, I was in high school when a fan when Phantom Menace came out. In fact, I can remember going to see Phantom Menace because Joe gave me a ride to see it the first time I saw it. So, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you camped out though, right? Didn't you camp out? Not, for, not for Phantom not Menace. No, uh, okay. Attack of the Clones. We did, and Oof. we'll get into a little more of that oh, later. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we, but yeah, no, I think we, Joe and I went to see Phantom Menace together the first time, and um, I don't know, I I don't remember anybody at the time having a negative reaction to it. Which is weird because if you go like the the popular belief or pop culture will tell you that you know oh these movies came out and everybody's head hit the floor because they were so disappointed. I don't even remember reading bad things about them really. There was some, some some critical negative stuff, but I think when you're a teenager you're not really paying attention to that. But word on the street like everyone going to see this movie was it was great. So um, I certainly thought it was great when I was you know I. But yeah no over overall I have always been 
still a, a fairly big fan of the prequel films. Um, I certainly <laughs> am you aware bought the that Blu-rays. they Blu-rays. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> so... I, I know the Blu-rays of everything Star Wars, honestly. But I'm just a generally a, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and this was part of my. You know, I, I was still a kid, essentially. I was an older kid, but I, this was part of my Star Wars growing up, too, as much as, you know, Joe mentioned growing up with, you know, old VHS copies of the original trilogy, and I did, you know, did my, that as well and was introduced to it that way. But this was our first, you know, new Star Wars, our first Star Wars we were seeing in the movie theaters, which, unless you count mm-hmm. the special edition releases, I guess, but... Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, in, in general, it's... I've always been pretty positive on them, even though I'm aware that they may not be perfect movies. Um, I enjoy them. I find them entertaining. And I find them to be very Star Wars. People always complain that they're like, oh, they're just not even of the same vein. Or they're, I don't know, they're so different from the originals. And I think besides technology, you actually can find, they, they actually parallel the original films much more than people want to admit. So I'll cut well, myself we'll get, off there because I can We'll keep... get more into it, Eric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's very excited, <laughs> which he should be. Um, but let's, let's, you know what? We're going to just jump straight to it. Uh, and I'm going to have Joe lead into this one. Let's talk about the commonly identified issues. So it, all of us together, but Joe, you're going to start it off. What, what are your key few issues or whatnot? Well, I, I, I your main ones, not the whole two page list. I think, well, I actually don't think it's a two page list. I would say that the, the issues I see with it are complicated. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, for example, Phantom Menace has a lot of problems, um, you know, with characters and things like that. Like Jar Jar, for example. Like, nobody likes Jar Jar. But that's because it also wasn't aimed at a high school junior or senior liking this character. You know, I, I recognize now, looking back, that, yeah, the prequels, especially Episode One, that was aimed at such a younger audience. So, I'm liking it because it's Star Wars, but it's it doesn't feel like it to me because I'm not the target audience really. So I have to put that aside. Technically there are some issues with these. The acting is pretty bad and but but then again that's a George Lucas thing so I'm a little bit lenient on that because I mean he, he can take really good actors and make them sound terrible because of the dialogue. So I think the script was pretty bad. Um, overall I think my biggest complaint... dialogue and delivery. It, it, it is. And I think my biggest problem with the prequels is the setup. Just the whole setup yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, starting with episode one, like, okay, we're getting back into Star Wars. We're going to learn about how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. And this all starts with a trade dispute. Okay. Um, it just, it didn't, it didn't grab you. I mean, think about how A New Hope grabs you from the very beginning. Like, you're seeing, you know, a ship run from this gigantic thing that just keeps going and going and going with that Star Destroyer going overhead. Um, you know, and that really grabs you the first time you ever see A New Hope. This one just kind of starts with a trade dispute and really racist depictions of characters. So I've got some of those problems. I just think that the story isn't very good overall. But that's yeah. my; those are my big commonly identified problems. Okay. Um, so what about what about you, David? Do you what do you, what do you feel about uh, issues you would you would note? Um... No, I, I just recently watched them all again, so maybe I'm a little overcritical with how I think about it, but uh, the main thing that strikes me as odd about the prequels is that the whole premise of them kind of needs you to believe in the Anakin-Panime love story, which uh, <laughs> it, it just doesn't happen for me at all throughout the films. Like, there's never a moment where I'm like, yeah, they sold me on it. Like, I'm emotionally invested, because it, it just kind of... 
it just never quite happens. So when you do get to those genuinely like good points in Revenge of the Sith, and they're like, this is supposed to elicit an emotional response out of me, I'm just like, meh. Um... Yeah, they don't have very good chemistry. <laughs> no, oh, God. the attack of the clones is just like that's the most painful part. It's like rubbing a sand, rough sandpaper on your brain, heart, and gonads. Especially when the sand, you know, is coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. Thank you, somebody. <laughs> yeah. I left that for anybody. But um, <laughs> sorry, David. And then just the fact that the Phantom Menace is more of an amusement ride than a movie. Um, but again, I don't. As when I saw it when I was you know nine, it was the best movie of all time. So I think it worked for kids. And it yeah. just doesn't hold up to a more critical eye. That's okay. Um, what about you, Eric? Um, you know, <laughs> much as when we were talking about Rise of Skywalker recently, um, off air, we, uh, I'm aware of a lot of criticisms of this movie and agree with many of them, but it's never really stopped me from enjoying them. So I don't really dwell on them. Things that bug me about them are a little... I mean, you hit a couple of them on the head for sure. Phantom Menace for me is the most problematic because um, from a, like an adult standpoint, and as I've recently rewatched this movie, it struggles from a big-time like lack of understanding exactly who George Lucas was making this movie for because, you know... 60% of it is so much like in the vein of being like a kid's movie, like you mentioned, an amusement park ride, things that are, you know, definitely there for the younger audience. But then the main plot of the movie is very, very politically driven and very heavy. Um, so, like, it kind of crosses its streams with, like, who exactly was this movie made for? Or who is he trying to talk to? Because he's doing this stuff with Jar Jar and the pod racing and, um, you know, the stuff that would appeal to, like, little kids. I mean, I think the answer is he was trying to appeal to everybody and just kind of missed the mark on both on both. Uh, fronts so um that one's the most problematic to me i still find it to be a watchable amusing movie i don't see why people get so offended by it it's just not it's not it's not great it's just i don't know it's still it's still star wars and it's still got some great moments in it i i actually disagree about the beginning of the film i think we were all waiting for so long to see this um coming off of the original trilogy to see this world as it was prior to the empire you know when there there was still a jedi council and there were still these you know the these you know peacekeepers the jedi are just this like mythical thing and in the first five minutes of that film you get to see them in action you know real jedi in the period of where this you know um so i think at, especially from first watch standpoint it, it's actually very exciting beginning i don't think it's boring or dull at all i think when you start to analyze like okay well the whole thing Palpatine's grand plan all centers around this, like, <laughs> manipulating this trade dispute. It's kind of a little bit like, okay, well, you could have probably gone a little bit, could have had a little bit more ambition there with what, um, but I don't know. I think, I think it ends up being pretty genius, like the whole thing. So Palpatine ends up being my favorite character out of this whole trilogy. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just going to say he could uh, go for something more interesting, like have the Ukraine look into uh, Chancellor, whatever his fucking name Valorum. is. Oh, Valorum. Oh, yeah. Could have done yeah. That. It's just like, and, and those weird things, you know, like, hey, you know, you had your son part of the Trade Federation. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I did I did enjoy the prequel trilogy when they came out. I was excited. I was young. I was at the right demographic, you know, at the time. And I also saw the, the, the trilogy, the original trilogy, pre-special edition, like a year before the special edition came out. Like, so mm -hmm. I saw all that followed by a special edition, and then to find out a few years later that this franchise you just found out about that's, like, over, like, 19 years old at this time is finally getting a fucking new set of movies, I was mm -hmm. excited. But yes, yep. you know, these movies have a CGI overuse. Uh, they are a little too kid-focused at times. Um, like, you guys, uh, like Joe mentioned, the dull performances and dialogue, uh, or as David said, the romance. Um, 
and and you know there was a confusing story at times and definitely the metachlorian controversy uh for a lot of people but well, you know I, 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 i'm sorry I, I just want to well there's one other kind of big thing that that gets yeah. me with it it's not really with the trilogy as a whole but it's it's how you kick it off with episode one where we see anakin as a child and he's a yeah. hero throughout the whole thing right i i think that weakens the trilogy because even though attack of the clones and we'll talk more about that has got a lot of problems too there's i don't know there was there's something about learning that darth vader's history comes from him being a special little child and all that stuff too i don't know it kind of took something away personally for me it's a more appealing story that darth vader was a a very good skilled jedi who turned really fucking dark but when you add this thing like well he was a cute kid once and everything was fine but he was super special it kind of changes that and biases it i think the approach with that is like the kind of idea like i I don't know. I, I, well, anyways, I was going to say, like, the idea of that kind of feels like, what if you have a Jesus character, and you, like, we love Jesus, and then you found out he was actually Satan. <laughs> like, yeah. He, is, it, he it just, is Jesus, and then I he becomes Satan. There might be a little more to it. You yeah. give George Lucas a little bit of credit. Now, give, I think I give him credit to the, the seeds of his stories are good. Like, his screenplays, I agree with you. The, the dialogue's wooden. And, and, like, if you can get natalie portman to look like a poor actress in a movie you've accomplished something with bad writing that nobody has been able to do since or before but <laughs> um but i think there's something to be said about like first of all i think big questions for talking prequels is uh, this i kind of came up with my recent rewatch in the past week and i is were we ever really supposed to like anakin and that's where phantom menace becomes a problem Mm-hmm. because he is kind of this cute little kid and he's displayed as a hero and it kind of kind of like sets it off in its own thing from the other two films. I think it totally works if you accept the idea that maybe we were not ever supposed to like Anakin Skywalker. Um, he was always problematic. He was always, you know, kind of... Um, Flawed. But then, I, but then I, I start to relate it back. To, I'll, I'll try to be brief, but relate it back to Phantom Menace and, and think, well, okay, he is... He's discovered by Qui-Gon Jinn. He's given this, like taken out of slavery and told his whole life through his whole training like you are special you are the chosen one you are this so of course he's going to think he walks on fucking water by the end of this whole um so you get this this teenage you know this older i guess he's probably young 20s at the point we meet him in in episode two and he does he has this like rich spoiled kid kind of nasty attitude about everything and when you start to understand it's not it's not brilliant brilliantly put together in the script but um I kind of feel like that's what he was going for. Like, maybe we weren't supposed to like him, like, really at all, ever. <laughs> I, I think, though, in, in Attack of the Clones and then in the Clone Wars animated series, you know, I think yeah, they, that, does change things that, that serves the character a bit better than introducing a child at all. Because if you want to make him not quite likable, but kind of, I think those two vehicles do a really good job with that because he's, he's a hothead, and he's mm-hmm. a pain in the ass, and he's kind of a douche, but... He's really, really good. Like he's a, yeah. he's a badass, especially in the Clone Wars series. They show how much of a badass he is. Yep. Um, they try to. He's a, a much more bit relatable character in that series too. But. Yeah, and I think so. My argument really is that it's a it's a trilogy that starts out with an with a useless film. That I mean, not totally. There's elements in in Phantom Menace in the story that are good, and they could have been used elsewhere. It's our introduction in, to Palpatine. <laughs> so I'm gonna because because we're getting to the edge of this. I want to move to the next point, uh, is what are the redeeming qualities of these trilogies, if you were to have mm-hmm. them? And that's something that, you know, like, that Eric did catch on earlier, or as I mentioned earlier, this is the origin 
of Palpatine and his character development as a whole. He's beyond like the just this evil guy. You see just how fucking evil he is. Um but like next to that or including that, uh what are what are your guys' other thoughts on on redeeming qualities? And Joe, I know that's gonna be a hard one. <laughs> but we're gonna have oh. we're gonna we're gonna try. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it the floor to David and let him start it off. And then uh, I'll come around to the rest of you guys. How about that? Sure. David? Okay, so uh, for redeeming qualities, um, first and foremost, uh, lore building and uh, world building are a big parts of why I believe the prequels have a lot of redeeming qualities because it, it introduces so much more to the uh, to the background and to the history of Star Wars as a whole. Um, it you adds a lot get more. To see the Sith and Jedi. The Sith and Jedi. Right. It gives a whole a whole lot more context to Obi Wan and his character. You get to see a bunch of planets you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Uh, some really. Um, well-designed planets, even if they do kind of fall into sort of uh, elemental tropes. But nonetheless, you still have, like, Naboo, Kamino. Uh, you get to see Mustafar for the first time, which uh, is something uh, that they've been kind of slowly waiting to reveal for a really long time, if, if memory serves. And um, just lore-building in general, too. You get to know more about the Jedi, more about the Sith, uh, more about Palpatine, and I think it brings a lot of uh, much-needed context to the original trilogy through the prequels. I think yeah, um, I I agree. Like I like Sith and Jedi lore and stuff like that. You get to really actually see some characters uh, grow from that. Um, yeah, good good points, David. How about you, Eric? Um, I think redeeming qualities. I, I'm gonna just not reiterate what David just said. That I and I totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I think is great here is that George Lucas, as a filmmaker, has always been an innovator, and. I think this is something that is lacking probably, and I know we're going to get to this, but from like the, the newer Star Wars films, the sequel trilogy, is that his ambition here is to push forward, you know, using the cutting edge technology and filmmaking. Um, the Phantom Menace is a good decade ahead of the next movie that's going to use this much CGI and this much, you know, world, um, you know, building of shooting of this whole thing against green screen. He uh, is one of the first people to use a fully CG character. If not the first, I don't remember. We were talking about that, Ryan, I remember. but um, yeah. And so so he is following his own footsteps of the original Star Wars trilogy, and then he's trying to push, you know, technology. Does it, from a modern standpoint, look a little bit, you know, cartoony or whatever? You know, it's early cutting-edge stuff. Um, yeah, a little bit. It goes a little bit overboard at times. I know they've actually tweaked a couple of the special effects. They replaced Yoda entirely in uh, from the Phantom that was Menace. Probably a, that was actually kind of a wise move. Like, <laughs> it oh, was. Right. I agree. It's actually. Um, the, I'm not complaining. I like some of the changes oh. they've made to the films, and I'll even I'll even defend some of the special edition changes. Come at me, bros. No, um, but I'm with the. You. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, just like, the, the the use of technology and it, really the Phantom Menace is the best. This is crazy, but is the best looking of those three films in a lot of ways. Uh, it falls apart at times, but I, I can tell the care and concern that was put into the design of those worlds and characters. Um, the CGI in The Phantom Menace is actually better than in The Attack of the Clones. By the time they get to the Revenge of the Sith, it blows both of them away. But um, if you look closely at the character designs and, and the, the you know your digital backgrounds, uh, mats and all that stuff... Um, Phantom Menace actually looks better than Attack of the Clones does, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, especially the fight scenes and the battles, actually, quite yeah. magnificent. What about you, Joe? What do you have? There's there's a, a series of scenes in every one of these films that are really, really cool. And again, to, to agree completely and reiterate with, with you know um, David and Eric, that the world building and the lore building and all of that is, is really great and it pays off. Um, 
a slight criticism even of that though is one of my complaints that's gone back all the way to episode one is they they introduce not introduce but they use a lot of the characters from the original trilogy more than they need to like i get anakin and obi-wan and i get yoda but we don't need to see job of the hut in episode one that's just superfluous we don't need to see chewbacca Oh, these things and are chock full of fan service. We like, don't need <laughs> to know. We don't need to know that Boba Fett's origin is tied in with all of this too. All that really does is say, "Hey, we're going to show you how wide this universe is." Actually, it's not that big. It's really quite small, you know, uh, because it's got you know everything's tied together. Little, and I know they try to do some gags and stuff. Even in Episode One, there's a little, you know, you can see the Millennium Falcon flying by in the distance, and they do that even with the new ones, the new prequel trilogy. You see the ghost from you know Star Wars Rebels, you know, mm-hmm. flying around, but it's just not. That kind of bothered me a little bit, but seeing redeeming the Jedi qualities, in action, Joe. we're on the redeeming qualities. I, I know, I know. <laughs> seeing the that out of the way, seeing the the Jedi in action, um, Coruscant has become one of my favorite planets because mm-hmm. it's really complex, not just yeah. politically, but you know, the, how would you have a, a planet that's in one entire city? Um, so stuff like that, I really, really liked. It really, they took some steps to make it bigger. Now, with some extra characters they threw in for no point, it kind of shrunk it, but overall, there's still like a gain there. Um, and I think the the decisions that they made for uh, some character motivations are really cool. Honestly, Attack of the Clones does have some of my favorite scenes as far as the story goes. You you see Obi-Wan doing some really cool Jedi sleuthing mm-hmm. in that, and that's really cool. It's, they're more than just dual, you know, wielding lightsabers. These are you know smart people as well. And speaking of lightsabers, honestly, I think the prequels have some of the best lightsaber choreography out of any of the nine films. Absolutely, they have the best. I think even even post sequel trilogy, I'll say yeah. they have the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole fight the... scene between uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor, like that whole scene with the Revenge of the Sith, that's all choreographed. That's not sped up. Like that's yeah. just how fast and good they were at doing it. And honestly, and that, and that's the, pretty great. Darth starts surfing on lava. It loses me at the end, but yeah, yeah. Cool. But the Darth Maul lightsaber duel in Episode One is yeah. still probably the best. I think it's one of the best. Um. And, but they're all they're all good. Even the stuff with Yoda flopping around like a gremlin. Whatever. It looks cool. <laughs> oh, come on. Everybody got a huge kick out of that one. Oh, he doesn't even grab the lightsaber. He just, like, pulls just back this cloak. two intergalactic geriatric off. men just go at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen two old... I haven't had that much fun watching two old people kick each other's ass since, like, Lord of the Rings. You know? <laughs> well, Either well, way, Christopher Lee. Either oh, yeah, way, Christopher, Lee. Christopher Lee. It's like that, that was like a good five years where we learned, even in his age, you don't fuck with Christopher Lee. Yeah. Well, now they brought they brought the hammer with bringing okay Christopher Lee in. They brought the hammer, the hammer cast, uh, yeah. into the Star Wars universe with them. I want well, Peter Cushing originally, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying you know you know they're yeah, friends. The, he got both got both of them in there. Yeah, he did. Yep. I wanna I wanna add my two cents to this one because um I think. You guys, you're right. You you know, I have this like pre-written down like key points and you guys have nailed it each time. And I just wanted to add like the uh, the expansion of the Jedi, um, like their powers, their like their abilities, their their philosophies, but most importantly, their failures. Like it's not. Oh, yeah, it's not. It wasn't obvious to me as a kid, but as an adult and rewatching these like they flat out say like yeah we don't have the powers as we used to and you actually see through like their arrogance their failures that why they became extinct and it's kind of laid forth in last jedi it luke touches on that like the prequel shows the hubris of the of the jedi uh and that is seen in the prequels if you really look at it and it's not hard to see it it's not like you have to dig through a separate book that you have to buy elsewhere 
Um, it's in oh, the wait. movies. The, like, there's references to that in The Last Jedi? You mean Ryan Johnson didn't just pull all that out of his ass like everybody says? Oh, my God. Right. You know what? <laughs> and here here we go. Um, I think <laughs> that this is a good segue into, you know, we just finished the new sequels trilogy. Um, and, you know, that has its own collection of backlash. And even though we're talking about prequels, we're talking about Star Wars and fandom in its entirety. And I think mm-hmm. it feels uh, just for us to give a certain period, uh, just a chunk of time to um, let's talk about the new sequels. So right away, just quickly, like a happy, angry or it's complicated. What are each of your feelings on the new sequels? And because I have favoritism, David, you go first. Um, I'm definitely in the it's complicated uh track most (laughs) and and especially after watching the prequels again just recently i was genuinely positive about the sequels but after watching the prequels i'm almost kind of tipping in the opposite direction and leaning almost towards negative and i i guess i'll explain myself in a little bit when we get down to that moment but uh okay uh, mostly i kind of find them to be unorganized and and very uh uh like market research the movies one through three thank you david uh joe joe you can go um, it's complicated, kind of in between happy to it's complicated, more moving towards just middle complicated. Okay. And, uh, Eric? You know, I, I'm surprising myself, but I, I think I'd have to go with it's complicated as well. Um, I won't yeah. expound on that since we're going to talk more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm in the same boat. For a while I was happy, but after Rise of Skywalker, it ultimately, um, not only framed... it's complicated feelings for just that movie but actually as a franchise as a whole and let's go you know we're gonna start off positive here because you know i like there's a lot of people and i see a lot of people who who defend star wars no matter what so in from these these new sequels so let's start with like um, you mean me (laughs) you somewhat david too but david's reaction was a new one um but you know having him be part of this podcast like yes do it uh, anyways, that's not my manipulation. No. Uh, so, so let's very yes, quickly release your let's anger. Release it into this bottle, um, <laughs> where I save it with the others. Um, sorry, I just pictured Palpatine having just a closet full of just repressed rage from each failed like fucking apprentice. Um, so, what what have the sequels improved upon Star Wars? Where let's say that the prequels didn't quite get right so we'll start with eric eric you know you haven't gotten first bid we'll start with you i'll tell you what 100 what the sequels got right that the prequels did not was the like feeling something like that was organically star wars about them like it, whether it was just the more use of practical special effects or and, and i know I, I just got done a few minutes ago applauding george lucas for his you know technological like push forward but but a little bit of the throwback that jj did with the force awakens um did help ground it in that world that we left behind at the end of return of the jedi so it it kind of set itself into the universe a little bit better it took less getting used to it felt like you were kind of just like at home you know back in a galaxy far far away um you're mentioning like the balance between the cgi and practical is is now perfected it, it's better, yeah. yeah. Um, not that, every, I, that they did everything perfectly, but it did feel a little bit more like the original trilogy. It looked a little, like, to the eye, it was a little bit more like the original I agree with trilogy. You. Yeah. Um, so, was I supposed to say positive here? But <laughs> um, we can, We'll move on to the next point. And if you have, if... No, I mean, I can go on. There, there are more positive things I liked about it. I love the fact that we got new, interesting, young characters that I liked in general. Um, I'm not sure I love everything about the way it, like, you know, ended up, but you know it was fun it was it was good to you know follow their journeys um 
I didn't really want to see you know geriatric Luke Skywalker and Han Solo running around the universe for a whole film. I'm glad that they. I don't you know, even think Harrison Ford wanted that. I mean, you know, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, I don't think anybody wanted that to be you know the the like the push the main like attraction of those movies mm-hmm. um i love what they did with the older characters I, I thought they became great support to the new cast and um i'm not talking about arcs here and the way everything ended up but just kind of the general feeling i get from it um okay. yeah in general I, th- I think like their hearts were all in the right place i think what they didn't do and i think david touched on this you know really briefly but they didn't have a plan for this thing it's, okay. it's a well, disaster we're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna continue with that one in the next yeah. part but i want to get everyone else's feelings we're gonna say positive but we do have a chance to fucking rip a, a hole in this new galaxy. Trust, trust me, it's there. <laughs> um, so, David, David, real quickly, what what about you? What do you feel? Can you add to what Eric said, or or do you have your own like feelings where there was improvement in the Star Wars? Um, the acting is genuinely better than a lot of the other six movies. Um, Kylo Ren's kind of cool as uh, the acting. I think it's significantly better than some of the other movies that uh, happened previously. Um, I I really like some of the characters, um, not necessarily their arcs, but the characters themselves. And I think genuinely Kylo Ren was kind of a cool character, and that Last Jedi took a lot of interesting risks. And that's about it. Okay. Uh, Joe? Uh, Similar to what has been said already, that stylistically it looked more like what most of us grew up like the original trilogy like it felt more like that the acting was was better the scripts were better um as far as what it really added to star wars i mean yeah so we got some new worlds and new characters and all that's great but ultimately my biggest praise i think about that not biggest praise but one praise i will give the sequel trilogy is it got some of the vehement prequel haters to shut the fuck up for once because it gave them something that they (laughs) wanted um, you know, so people that absolutely fucking hated the prequels with like all of their fiber, at least this one was like, oh, well, you can't entirely hate these as much. I don't, I haven't met anybody who loves the original trilogy and absolutely spits on all six of the other properties. I mean, you either love the prequels or hate them, or you love the sequel trilogy or you hate it, but it's usually not both. So I mean, it did that, and that was nice. But now we're seeing what the diehards of that are being like, and it's just as annoying. But I honestly, and and I'll give it this, I actually kind of liked how it wasn't all planned out. It it failed. I'll I'll say that. It didn't work, but there were things about it. Now, I I really have a complicated relationship with uh, The Last Jedi where I hated it, and then I actually really liked it. And it's become probably my favorite of the trilogy. And I think that's because it it took such, like you said, David, it took some really interesting and cool risks. And we have to remember that so did Empire. That when Mm -hmm. actually when George Lucas wrote Star Wars, he had ideas for other films, but they weren't all written down in detail. And so when when Kasdan came along and and started writing the second film, it changed. And there were people at the time that did not like Empire because they were like this took it was too weird. It got really weird. And I kind of liked that about Last Jedi. But yeah, and actually, I was going to throw this just real quick. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off, Joe. But like you you mentioned, people reacting to Empire. Did there was a similar, maybe not quite as strong as the Last Jedi backlash, but there was a similar backlash against the Empire Strikes Back when it came out, and that's that's gone on to become known as like the ultimate Star Wars film, right? Mm -hmm. There, there, we will touch on that topic actually very quickly. Let me. I want to end this this particular part by saying, you know, I agree. These trilogies had a better balance of CGI and practical effects, better balance of humor and drama. Like the characters, like you guys mentioned the characters, like these feel for the most part more grounded. Less so, I would argue, in Rise of Skywalker, but still, you know, they still are those grounded elements that are really like, you know, touch the soul. 
but that's a, that's essentially what what I feel as well is is uh you know the the ba- there's a good balance uh and it does it does do a like a great job of fan service in terms of hey we have we know that you like Star Wars however that could kind of be a downside and that being said what do the prequels have that the new sequels fail to possess um and you know what I'm gonna start with Joe one or two things God. Um, one or two things that the prequels have the sequels fail to possess. You can go with one if it's um, too much. I, I think maybe in, in some of the side plots, a broader context, like you, you kind of get a little bit more of the history. But honestly, I don't know how necessary it is. I guess if you're going to have a nine-part series and one of them is a... And they're, and they're made out of order and one of them is a prequel trilogy after the fact, you know, whatever. Um, it gives you some of that context. But I don't know. It's, I guess and not, not to, you know dismantle our discussion here entirely but i i guess i'm because i've become more of the philosophy that not every story needs to be continued some stories are just stories and it's okay to let them go and i think the original trilogy is a good beginning middle and end the prequel has a beginning middle and end and and the sequel trilogy has a beginning middle and end and you can put them all together and now you get you know fucking voltron but it's a bit of a janky voltron um <laughs> you know and i think because especially the prequels look so different they stand well on their own in a way, they don't. They look so different than the other films that it's hard to time in, in at times. But I don't know if they really add anything that's absolutely necessary to me, at least. They add context, but I don't know how important it is. All right. Yeah, okay. Really. Well, um, <laughs> who's next? <laughs> David, you go. Oh, uh, okay. So um, the the two biggest things I feel the prequels have that the sequels don't is cohesion. I feel kind of. Opposite of what Joe said about episode one, I believe you can watch episode one, two, and three, have a complete cohesive story with a connected narrative that was clearly planned out in advance. Unlike the sequels seven, eight, nine, where I feel like I could literally cut out The Last Jedi and just watch Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker and still get a complete narrative. Or even possibly, you know what I mean? Like, it just, um, they feel like. J.J. Abrams' first movie, then Ryan Johnson's side movie, and then J.J. Abrams trying to make two movies at once because he really wanted that second movie. Because <laughs> um, he wanted to re- re- retcon the previous one. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. then you have uh, something that... Um, a believability. I believe the prequels have more. You know, some things that they do in in the sequel trilogy, I'm still like, but how? You know, Kylo Ren stopping the phaser fire right at the beginning of The Force Awakens, they're like, I can suddenly force heal, I can suddenly fly through space. Whereas the prequels at least attempt to give you some sort of explanation. Like, a really good example being like, oh, why is Mace Windu able to just completely destroy uh, Jango Fett? Well, you know, his backpack went out, and you can see him, like, trying to activate his jetpack right before, like, he lobs his head Yeah, he off. got hit by that, that fucking bull creature. Yeah. So, You're right, like, there's, there's that, there's that little bit of context as into why did this happen in this way. Which I they don't that's... tell you. They don't mm-hmm. tell you. They show you, and they want you to. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't believe the yeah. sequels have at all. The sequels are just like, well, she has healing powers because uh, it's important to plot. I'll give you that. I'll give you about the cohesiveness. I haven't considered that. That the prequels, whether you know, all the other things aside, they do tell. Well, I, I mentioned they, that they've got a beginning, middle, and end. It's a pretty coherent story. But yeah, you're right. The disjoint. I don't know why they suddenly decided in the sequel trilogy that oh yeah this. Almost dead, extinct religion and, and series of powers. We're going to add a whole bunch of new ones that you had no idea about, mm-hmm. with no explanation. I, you know what? Like I, Joe, not you said that. And after what David said, it reminds me of this. Uh, Joe sent me a photo of 
of when they have the book for for the Rise of Skywalker, and the comment of like it's just it's one thing like the prequels had like you know the additional stuff to add to what was already given, but this book is essentially because uh, Joe Joe you're a professor it's homework, <laughs> that's how it was identified yeah. right yeah. <laughs> like it's just like essentially like it's missing in the movie but here do your research. <laughs> So you can, like, now, like, fill the gaps in the movie. Oh, and I know that for every one of these, they've come out with, like, you know, the, the technical atlas or whatever they call them. I don't remember the official name, but, like, the the visual dictionary or something for each one of the sequel movies. But I feel oh. like, yeah, Rise of Skywalker is throughout, relying on that Throughout Star Wars, historically, throughout this entire thing that we, this sprawling thing we know as Star Wars yeah. now, there has always been the extended universe stuff. Since, you know, even pre-Empire, there was, you know, yeah. a couple of novels written and et cetera, et cetera. Um, never has it ever been necessary for you to explore any of that. It's always been there if, you, if you're really into it and you want to get a little deeper into all these characters and the mm-hmm. world and kind of, you know, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great. And it's, it's that it's there as an asset to, to people that are fans and it gives you more to explore. But never has it been necessary to do so, right. to understand the events of a movie. So that was a major misstep, I think, on, on Disney's part, on JJ's part, whoever's fault that was. Um, all of them. Yeah, and, and and even so, like I'm I'm somebody that is is well versed in the, in the EU, both old and new, and you know just because you know I didn't read the right book or something, I was still in the you know in the dark about some stuff. So, well, what about you, Eric? What what do you feel like the prequels have that sequels fail to possess? Um, I'm gonna be easy on this one because I'm gonna echo a lot of what what both David and Joe said, and that's that. Okay. Yeah, they do. They have more cohesion. The the the, the major failure the sequel trilogy has was, was that they did they. They plan to make a trilogy with no plan to make a trilogy, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, they changed route too many times. They changed... Honestly, they became... And we're going to get into this later, but they came, became too concerned with what, like, you know, the fan community was saying on their Facebook pages or whatever. Absolutely. Um, and it started steering it in different directions, and so they, they would stop this and fire this person and start this over and do this. So it gives it this really disjointed feel. Uh, I think my favorite film of the three in sequels is The Last Jedi, and that's because it it's different. It takes risks. It's it's obviously the work of somebody with um, you know a, a passion for it that wanted to see it pushed forward into the 21st century. And uh, you know we saw what happened with that. But uh, we're talking. Sorry, I'm, I'm avoiding the question. We're talking about what the prequels have that the sequels don't, and that. Um, yeah, it's that cohesion. It's it's the, although they feel like they look a little different, and they do feel, I think, because it's kind of some of the wooden acting, and um, they feel like they're a little bit different animal than the original trilogy, but I think the mythology runs so strongly through them that um, they do end up, by the time you finish Revenge of the Sith, you do get that kind of, okay, well, now I understand the whole conflict, the universe we're living in. Before, it's a very, you know, the original trilogy, as great as it is, the it's very generic with, like, evil empire, you know, good rebellion, um, you know, ancient mystic religion, and this gives you some stuff that, like, actually grounds all this stuff in the reality of the galaxy. And, and, it's, and as Joe said, maybe it's not 100% necessary, but if you're willing to, you know, if you're willing to bite and you're into it and you want to learn that stuff, it, it's a rewarding ride by the end of the time i just think that people weren't really actually they thought they wanted to know things but they didn't really want to know things at the end of the day and that's where you know what you guys are right um and i I would sum it up as this way for me i think the prequels with because you the, the theme of cohesion shows up a lot and the reason is because these were planned from the like from the start. I mean, like not from the very very beginning, but George did actually have like some loose idea, and then like 19 years later, he's like, you know, the technology is where I'm at. Maybe I do want to revisit these. And there is, you know, there's a soul 
to these the prequels despite you know how you feel about them with a lot of people saying like they killed my childhood i'm like okay i get it but mm-hmm. look at them and compare them to the sequels there is an intention there um you know their risks were attempted and though not all of them were necessarily fascinating at times um they were still they're not a like they were still something that delighted the imagination you know he wanted to tell a new story not a carbon copy of a franchise which is where mm-hmm. i think the sequels kind of sit at you know they started that way definitely yeah, yeah they wanted to ignite the franchise that was it but and they wanted to to to, to use that like familiarity that that fan base that that mm-hmm. what they wanted george used it too uh, but he he used it in a way where he does whether or not he succeeded or failed he does try to expand failure the bubba fett origin success palpatine you know and and it's there it there there is addition whether you like it or not it is new it is there there is a passion and there is a creativity and and, and i'll definitely give george lucas credit for kind of doing what what ryan johnson did later right which was this is the story i have to tell and george lucas really didn't give a shit and, and to his credit about well, what do the fans want to see? They want to see Star Wars. They want me to make more Star Wars. All right, I here's mean, the backstory. Don't give and too I'll much give credit. That. The prequels are also chock full of fan service. Like just like tons they are. and tons and tons of it. But, but, but there, like there are, said, especially the Boba Fett thing and all that. They do try to expand success or failures. He does try to expand that yes. fan service beyond just hey, there's just an appearance. Like they touch, for example. They show Jabba the Hutt. I'm like, okay, why is Jabba there? Well, they also mention slavery. Like, you know him own Leia as a slave, but with Anakin, there's a whole slave trade. And why is that? Because they're so far away. They do kind of touch on these things. It's weird, but I actually found the political aspects of the prequels very fascinating, even as a kid. They're they're actually still, you know, I watched them all this week. It still has a lot of punch. The political Mm -hmm. stuff is actually still very relevant and very smart. Mm -hmm. It shows, it actually shows the death of a democracy throughout three movies. Like, if you look at it, very, he he always tied in actual political events, like, inspired by political events, I should say, into these stories. So when you see, like, how a democracy dies through these subtle manipulations and just apathy in general, like, it does kind of mirror what's going on right now. We've been spending a lot of time picking George Lucas's writing skills apart, but let's give credit where credit's due, and there are a couple of, like, really great lines in the... the, throughout the uh, prequel trilogy, but one of the ones that that always has stuck with me is in Revenge of the Sith, when um, Padme says to uh, Bail uh, Organa, that um, this is how democracy dies, not with yeah. uh, uh, with thunderous applause or whatever the line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm misquoting it, but um, it's 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 a incredibly like it's a it's a moment that is like impactful enough to be like you know that I don't give you a chills. It's not quite that good, George, but like it's it's a great like he's hitting that point home really well at that point. Yeah, like, yeah. I, well, I may not always like the route he takes to get there, but in scenes like that, he gets there. Yeah, it's kind and of. And like I think that is the strength the of those movies. Actually, now that we're going to circle circle yeah. back to that, sorry, Ryan, but like something no, I didn't no. think of. But yeah, I think that's a strength of those movies. The, the political uh, backstory of all that stuff, the Palpatine, um, you know, taking control of the Senate and like his 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 character and like what he's doing and his manipulation of people. And after you know, throughout the entire arc, and even kind of the little beans we were thrown in the sequel trilogy, we can get back to this point where like, oh well, shit, he's even manipulated. E- every minutia of this entire thing to put himself into this situation not only take control of the senate not only create the empire but actually like you know become a you know not just a lord of the sith but the lord of the sith at the end of you know i'm i I don't know how much we're gonna you know dive into rise of skywalker and all that stuff you know what it you know what i kind of think of it as is like the prequel show palpatine as this kind of charming grandfather 
that <laughs> makes you give away your freedom willingly because you trust him. Like, mm -hmm. he smiles. He seems great. And you think about that politically with everybody, both sides. Well, I think Revenge of the Sith actually does a good job of making Palpatine seem a little bit more palatable at times than the Jedi. The Jedi seems like they're kind of a bunch of douches. A well, even to Anakin. They reject Anakin. They don't give him the respect where Palpatine's just like, you're my equal in a way, when he's clearly not. But hmm. that's what I mean is like that idea of well, that taking advantage like of disenfranchised people and you see that that's just 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 the state of politics and like that add that kind of adds to things when you have people who are just so invested in a in a political party system or person and don't stop to see like you do know it's structured to get you to like it right like <laughs> you know it but you don't acknowledge that it's happening and then because of that i, I think this whole tangent of this discussion has is, is would lead me to to I mean, not that I'm trying to conclude, but, like, this, the prequels are much smarter than the Jar Jar Binks crap and all of that. They like, are. You, mm -hmm. yeah. There's something are. going on in there that is, like, really, really, like, smart, good stuff. That's what elevates them above the sequels, which look great. I mean, they're beautiful films, right? And they have good characters, and they have these, you know, really solid, like, better acting, and they have some really solid, like, moments. But when you look at, like, the cohesion... And what it's trying to say at the end of it, like that's that's what makes the prequels in a lot of ways superior to the sequels, is exactly that. It's that it's, it, it is saying something. It's. Uh... I agree with you. And what it is is this: the execution may be poor, but the overall story is actually far more interesting. Where you have the opposite with the sequel trilogy, where the execution is amazing, but really the stories are kind of poor. Would you? Yeah. yeah. How would you guys mm -hmm. feel about that? I mean, oh. agree 100%. I'll let someone else talk. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I want to mention George Lucas's criticisms of this the sequels, actually. Um, David, you, you, you did some research into that, didn't you? Like, you uh, this just very briefly, um, I was basically just watching a bunch of George Lucas's interviews before I came on tonight. And uh, I, I mean, it's hard to say because the only thing that I looked up directly is apparently Bob Iger, the the CEO at Disney basically said in his book like that George Lucas almost even felt betrayed by the sequels. But um, back when he first sold the the franchise to Star Wars, he basically or to Disney, he was essentially like, well, I kind of have to let it go. I'm in my 70s. Even if I wanted to make the new trilogy, I can't. Like, I'm not... Who knows if I'm going to make it to 80. Um, that's some and he a, just had like a a kid, didn't didn't he and his wife just have a kid recently? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I think so. yeah. He's kicking it at seventy, man. He's going. He's he's pulling well, Palpatine I, I, in it. You know, I I think that you know you have to, as a as a creator you have to be willing to do that. And I when when he said a couple of years ago that he wasn't gonna before he sold that he wasn't gonna make any more Star Wars films because people were so angry about him. What was he said? He's like, why would I want to make movies that just make people mad or something like that? Um, you know, he, he was kind of, I don't, don't want to say he was completely done, but I know there were other projects he wanted to go on and work on. Um, though it sounds like he's just really enjoying the cash that he's gotten from all of these over the years, which is good for him, you know. But I don't blame him. Um, and as far as, you know, the, I, everybody's going to have criticism. He's, I, I expect that he's going to have some criticisms about the, the sequel trilogy, just as I'm sure... Timothy Zahn had criticisms that they didn't use all of his books as source material or anybody else who wrote, you know, the what we now call Legends, the original Expanded Universe stuff, which admittedly I haven't dove into very much. But, um, you know, everybody, anytime you're like, okay, we've got the prequels, and the prequels are a bit set up because you knew how they were going to end, 
right? right? Before they started, you know, before you walked in the theater to see episode one, you knew how this whole thing was going to end. The The sequel trilogy was so open-ended, I think right away people were going to be mad that oh, well, whatever headcanon they had wasn't going to be used, or George Lucas was probably going to be a little bit bummed that they didn't use his original treatments, whatever. You're not going to please everybody, which is something J.J. Abrams said about this new one, that, you know, I know that some people aren't going to like it. I, you can't please everybody, and so there's got to give some credit to that you know and um i think <laughs> i think that's what's really what it comes down to to these new star wars and i think that's what really this discussion um is kind of leading to and and it's it's the it's the giant elephant in this galaxy far far away and that is just backlash in general to star wars it, it's it's as old as the as the test of time i swear to god is the first time that you saw a scroll is that there's always a backlash of some time, especially when you have a group of people, a fandom, that are so emotionally invested in a franchise, which happens with a lot of things. We've, we've discussed, like, criticisms with, like, Marvel versus Scorsese and such, but Star Wars holds it, like, on this, this whole new level, like, where they do have this power to, to essentially bully a creator and, and I think we should, that's something that we should talk about next. In fact, this, this is such a complicated issue, is that uh, much like Star Wars and when George Lucas first wrote it, it's, it's too big for just one episode. And I think uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to have to continue that in a part two po- podcast. I know, I know, guys, guys, it's <laughs> not something that we wanted, but I think it's something that's necessary to give the time uh that we need so what do you guys think yeah i i'm mm-hmm. open to doing that i think it, it definitely we <laughs> looking at the outline yes there's an outline um we made it about a third of the way through so dare i say we could make a trilogy out of this if we really wanted to um <laughs> but well, yeah no i think we're uh, aiming for two-parter we're, we're I, aiming for I like the to, end of the harry potter series <laughs> to give uh, to give backlash and, and toxicity its due, I feel like maybe it's necessary we give it. I think an, we should another episode. Think, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so here in the video podcast, and we're all in agreement. I think, even though we didn't listen to the other two, very quickly, other two. What do you think uh, about? Yay or nay? <laughs> Part two. Yay, Yay yeah. or nay? Yeah, we totally do a two-parter on this. Um, so yeah, I think what I would strongly encourage any of our listeners to do is to uh tune in next week for the conclusion of this discussion where we're going to talk more about the prequels um the backlash that that came about that and really get into a discussion about fandom whether it be toxic or just very strong passions but if you have any questions comments criticisms or witticisms about anything that we've discussed so far we'd love to know your feelings on the prequels do you fall into the love the prequels hate the uh trilogy sequel the the sequel trilogy or is it vice versa? Or are you one of the people that likes both? Or did you hate both? We'd love to hear what you have to say. And you can contact us by emailing us at videojunkairpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at videojunkpod. Or you can find us on Facebook and leave a comment at the Video Junk Air Podcast Facebook group or the regular Facebook page. We'd love to hear uh, any of your thoughts on the discussion so far. Or if you have anything to contribute about Backlash or Toxic Fandom, you can leave those too. But remember, next week we're going to be tackling those ideas. Wow, he he does that so fast. It's impressive. Um, <laughs> that's like why next... I'm, just, I'm always going to let him do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sounds like next week we are going to tackle more star wars which is always a welcome topic with myself hopefully you uh, everybody out there listening feels the same way coming up after that on the podcast we are going to look at uh 
Uh, we have a Valentine's Day special, and what more film is more romantic than Bram Stoker's Dracula? Also, Death yeah. Becomes Her, uh, Living With Yourself, Kingdom of Spiders, Demolition Man, Velocipaster, Beverly Hills Cop, and a lot of other really great stuff coming in 2020. I uh, hope you will tune in to the Video Junkyard podcast again and check that out. And next week, hey, more Star Wars. We all like that. That's right. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of the Video Junkyard podcast. Hopefully you hear us next week. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. I'm David Andrews, and I'm also in this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ryan Seiskel. I've been your moderator tonight. I'll see you guys in, in part two next week. You have a good night. And may the, may the force be with you. None of that bullshit here. <laughs> Not on my show. Okay. Great. All right, good night. This is the end for you, my master. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! Another happy landing. Now get out of here. What, you think you're some kind of Jedi waving your hand around like that? When the Jedi learn what has transpired here, they will kill us. Hold on. This whole operation was your idea. You're so powerful, you are. Why leave? I must go. Bring balance to the Force! You wanna buy some death sticks? You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Video Junkyard Podcast, on Twitter at Video Junk Pod.